Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio, Sunday edition. Now, I want to thank everybody who's been listening to the podcast lately, because there's been a lot more of you. <laughs> and it really took me by surprise, but I'm happy everybody likes it so much. On that note, I want to talk about something that I love doing for this Sunday edition, and that might not surprise you it it probably won't surprise you what it is but the content of what it is just might because I think actually I know because I've had the occasion to talk to the head publisher of an of anime news network the number one site in anime news that most of the time, you get a pretty when you when you see stuff about anime in America, you're getting a pretty controlled view of the uh, of the industry of the creators of all of it, and one of the things that has always inspired me. In my drawings is seeing like production drawings or seeing like animation cells from my favorite shows or my or my favorite or the creators of my favorite shows and like uh, so I was looking through my because I'm a crazy person I was looking through my past Twitter conversations and I came across a Twitter conversation about Satoshi Kon. And if you don't know who Satoshi Kon is, A, you totally should. I've talked about Paprika on the main feed. You can go check out the episode on Paprika. But he is a he was a an amazing anime anime director. And he primarily made films, but he made one TV series when he was alive, and that was Paranoia Agent. And if you know Paran- anything about Paranoia Agent, other than having heard my podcast about that show in the feed, in the feed that you can listen to anywhere you're listening to me right now, you know that he that his stuff was like really really focused on people's feelings and emotions and especially paprika were like fonts of like visual splendor and creative and like insanely creative and beautiful and before he died there were he was starting he was starting a new project and there were some sketches and there was like a bunch of sketches there was a bunch of just production stuff that was available and if you're thinking like oh Alex is about to tell me that you can go see like a stop motion animation of the like magical dream machine I think is what the project was the project was called at the time I'm not about to tell you that because 
everybody takes one look at this thing and they see that it was Satoshi Kon's project and nobody wants to touch it. Because he is so... He's so revered and he worked in such a specific way, apparently, that no studio is sure that they can live up to it, so it's just been tabled. And I think you can go find the, the sketches somewhere online, but that's about it. And I'd, be, I'd actually be surprised if I wasn't talking out my ass on that one, actually. What I'm trying to say here is that the... The... The the X factor of all the shows that of all the shows and anime movies that we love is the people who create them. When you're watching any any piece of creative media, you're watching in part the interpretation of the people who made it, and that is. That's what makes documentaries about artists so interesting. You get to see the artist's work. And that brings me to this YouTube channel that I think it's called... There's a couple of them, but the one I constantly watch videos on is Union. If you've heard of it before, you know what I'm going to say. This YouTube channel and others like it, I'll put a link to Union in the description of the podcast is a collection of Japanese, I believe it's like Japanese talk show hosts who sit down with a manga artist, uh, usually a famous manga artist from a show like, there's one there's one out there for Yu-Gi-Oh! There's one out there for, um, there's one out there for a bunch of manga artists. There's one out there for, um, Video Girl Eyes, if you've ever heard of Video Girl Eyes, which is an old show from, like, I want it, it, which is an old show I want from, I want to say, the 80s, that was popular through the 80s and 90s, um, probably just the 80s, I'm old, but the long and short of it is, is that you see, with some Japanese, with some running Japanese commentary that I'm sure is valuable, and I'll be able to understand once I finally get through my Japanese lessons. But it is just raw footage of these people working, of these people creating, like, either a character portrait or sometimes a manga page or something like that. And they... They're described documentaries, and sometimes, and I think they're about 45 minutes long a piece. So they're not really documentaries, they're more almost like 60 minutes pieces. But they, the value that they give is that they are these documents of these creators process and you can you can see how um the i think the last one i watched was from the creative to love rue 
and you could see how he draws his characters, and that he does pencil first, and then he takes a trace sheet, and he goes over the he goes over the trace sheet with pen, and then he uses he uses a he uses a version of screen tone that's actually a sticker, and he applies this green tone, and I remember seeing this back when I was in art school and using it a couple times, actually. He applies this green tone, but then he goes back in with an exacto knife, and he, like, scrapes away the screen tone that he doesn't want, and that's how he gets this, like, soft shading that you don't... that is otherwise difficult to get out of, like, lick-and-stick screen tone, which, if you've never used it... It's not that's hard to work with, it's that it's it's particular. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, screen tone is the like little speckled dots effect they use to oftentimes to do shadows and um show like differences between things of the same kind of material in um Manga. So, like, the shadow under a character's chin is oftentimes just done with screen tone instead of, unless it's a particular kind of manga, and then they sometimes do a hard black fill, hard black inked, inked out fill. And if you're interested in drawing in an anime or manga style, I can't recommend watching these things enough because while you won't be able to while you certainly won't be able to keep up something that something that people who don't draw who who draw who draw draw not professionally but enthusiastically the way I do will always tell you is that you learn things by watching other people. I believe me, this is not a self-plug. Nothing on TikTok needs a self-plug. But I, if you are ever interested in seeing my drawings, I made the decision a long time ago to never show my face on TikTok. Mostly because I'm 30 and that place is for the, it's for the teens. And... Instead, what I do is I post the um, speed drawings that procreate the iPad drawing app I use generates from every time you make a new file by default, which is a really cool thing. And it's a time lapse, it's a speed drawing time lapse of my process, basically, of how I draw, of how I you know, make the body form first, and then I go in with the, um, with a pen, with a pen tool brush, basically, and I detail out in pen, because it's a digital, because I'm working digitally, not, um, physically, and there's no real distinction between the two tools, other than the pencil looks one way, and the pen looks another way, so, my process has changed because of the 
tools I'm using to create illustrations. And what these, like, quote-unquote, I don't really want to call them documentaries, but they're not fucking tutorial either. What these... With these kind of over-the-shoulder-of-the-creator videos do is that they are more than process videos. What I, what I post is raw process videos. But when many people on um, TikTok or artists post are videos like point-of-view videos of them just drawing and it turns into and the union like over the shoulder videos are very much that they are the raw unfiltered process of these people drawing and it turns into a it turns into a document, A, of a period of time, because they they go and they ask really popular artists, like, hey, do you want to be on the show? Do you, are you okay with showing your process? And all that stuff, because, like I said, you I already mentioned one for Two Love Rue. There's one out for the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh!, which must be fascinating. But it is all about... it. It's... It's not even so much about the artist, although they clearly, like, you know who the artist is. It's about the creation of these character of the characters from whatever popular property it is. And in that way, they make a... the the value in seeing that stuff for an artist is amazing um i think his name is kishimoto the creator of naruto i probably just butchered that but imagine if you could see him draw naruto as he always did not not like he draws a quick sketch for you on a piece of paper and signs it at a convention. Like, he sits down at his desk and draws Naruto for 45 minutes, like, spends however long it takes him to draw Naruto and ink Naruto because those two things are incredibly different because um, his process uses a lot of solid blacks and actually, not a whole lot of shading, now that I think about it. But it, that's an immensely valuable 45 minutes for somebody who has not the talent to use that stuff. Because and I can't stress this enough. When everybody thinks about art, they think about talent. And... Talent is important, like, you you need to have, it's not that you need to have a God-given gift, that's not what I'm saying. It's that you need to have the inspiration to do something with the skill that you have as 
a creative person because so much of what people talk about when they talk about art, they talk about, like, oh, he has a real talent, he has a real eye. But I will tell you right now, there are plenty of people with, like, talent and an eye who don't have the creative skill necessary to act on it properly. And if you're like, what is... What do you mean skill? I mean, when you start draw, when I remember from when I started drawing, you you realize really quickly that yes, people like your drawings, and yes, people respond to you. But I, I grew up with a creative parent, and what I mean by creative parent is I grew up with somebody who went down the full path of being a creative person in the world and who still does. And she said to me one day, when I showed her a drawing, she said, do you want me to be nice or do you want me to be honest? And I, thinking that this would be a boon and it ended up being that, said, I want you to be honest. And she critiqued me. This is my mother, by the way. And... Whereas I was getting a lot of, like, oh, you're such a good artist. Oh, you're so good at drawing. You draw all the time from everybody else. That was people responding to what they saw as talent. What my mom responded to was what she knew as a level of beginner skill that could be built on. So if you do go look at my drawings and you're like, oh, how did you figure out how to do this? Why does this look good? What? Why does... I saw somebody who um, watched my videos who was like, I learned so much from this video. That's because I had an a constant stream of honest critique of my work. And I... And that made me want to get better. It made me want to not lean on the crutch of I was creating things at all, which is oftentimes what can happen. That made me want to improve the craft of my drawings. And these union... These union... um, YouTube videos... What they're primarily putting on display is not the talent that it takes to make art. That's not what they're really concerned with. What they're concerned with is they're concerned with the craft of it. And they, and that's really why I called them a almost like a 60 minutes piece. Because it, watching the Union videos you see the craftsmanship that goes into creating anime and manga. And so when when Dr. Stone was coming out, the and they do this, they've done this since. They did this actually with um that um show about high school is producing anime. I did I did a 
episode of the podcast on it that you can go check out on the feed actually with Slate. If you're listening to this high Slate. But they, when Dr. Stone was coming out, they took you through the entire process of drawing one cell in Dr. Stone, of drawing one keyframe in Dr. Stone. And the video is really interesting because you saw just an artist draw those characters and then you saw them go in and layer in, you know, a the action lines, the color, the the specific effects. And and Crunchyroll, believe me, Crunchyroll didn't always get access like that to this stuff, but they got they get access now because they are starting to be on the production committees of these shows, so they can send somebody from Crunchyroll with a video camera and they can, you know, politely ask like, "Hey, can we show? Can we take you know B roll of you guys working on this stuff?" for a promotional reason, then the studios would usually agree because they understand that it's promotional. And under that guise, I'm sure, is what um, Union does to get these to get these videos. Um, I mentioned it a bunch of times before, and I have an episode of it, I believe, in the feed an episode about it, I believe, in the feed, but they've since made another one that's less... I'm going to say less raw about the man, everybody's original anime grandpa, Hayami Zaki, but in the in the documentary Kingdom of Dreams and Madness, they show him drawing, and they show... They show a pretty good depiction of what his process is, and you get to see what it looks. You get to see what it looks like when Hayami Zaki draws, and that's that's incredibly valuable. And I, so he's on record as having said like anime was a mistake, but I don't. I think what he means is he means the machine that exists around the creativity was a mistake. Because he... And everybody always says that like he's really hard to work with, that he's borderline abusive. But in my mind, he, he kind of just seems like the art professor at your at, at the college where you went to hone the craft of drawing and what people always forget what people forget about animators and about professional animators is that they have removed the like they've oftentimes necessarily removed the Slow part of drawing, and what I mean by that is they've removed. They've removed the like, nine hours that you spend on a drawing. So when I, 
not when I when I draw when I do the line work, it that might take me an hour. And when I but when I do the coloring, that could t- my coloring process for my illustrations could take me an entire day. In animation, you don't have that kind of time. You don't have the luxury of time because a scene, a single cut of animation, a couple seconds of animation could have dozens of drawings in it. So the speed at which you need to execute on each drawing requires not not talent, but an immense amount of skill and a incredible amount of knowledge about whatever you're animating and the the best that I've ever seen ha- this handled is in the um is actually in the show Shirobako when one of the side one of the ca- side characters needs to draw a cat and she just she can't she can't do it and one of her fellow animators somebody who's a little higher up in the studio than her just says like there's a cat in the park go hang out in the park and sketch that cat for like 20 minutes you'll figure it out you have to figure it out it's your job and the thing is that when when I when I draw I have the luxury of taking my time experimenting you know messing with other styles but when the people that you you will see in the union videos draw they don't they have to they have to do all that to stay relevant but they are not they are creating popular works they create and they and they're often creating popular work with millions of fans. Um, when Oda makes when Oda draws One Piece, he better be really sure of what he's doing because there's an entire industry that surrounds him that you know pays for his house that he needs and he needs to be sure of himself with each line because if he isn't. Then it take then if he takes a if he takes a couple more hours, then that chapter might not come out. If that chapter doesn't come out, a whole bunch of other things happen at happen at once. And I think if Hayao Miyazaki it was saying anything about the anime in that comment he was probably talking about the fact that there are so many fans that don't understand the sheer amount of skill and craftsmanship that goes into creating the things they love and they don't and they don't they may or may not care their response to like i need a little bit more time this film needs a little bit more time is not to is sheer disappointment not understanding that what they when they walk into when they when you walk into a theater to watch a Studio Ghibli movie, Miyazaki or otherwise, 
you are walking into their... You are walking into uh, the, not even, not, certainly not life work, but the, but years of work that you will experience in somewhere around two hours, and you will walk out and you will have real opinions about. But the thing is, um, That show Mary and the that movie Mary and the Witch's Flower, that um Studio Ponoc put out. They also put out. I talked about this. Um, Modest Heroes. Say what you will about Modest Heroes being like a a compilation movie or the quality of Mary and the Witch's Flower, but you have to understand that those. Those films were years of a of a group of people's lives poured into a project and and people it's easy to forget that when you're watching a completed polished thing. That at the beginning of this process, it was somebody sitting down and doing some character sketches, some environmental sketch work. It wasn't. It, 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 animation. The reason why animation is so expensive is because what the beginning product is is not actors. It's not you know location scouts what the beginning product is is a sheet of paper and a group of people working to turn that sheet of paper into many sheets of paper that contain a whole universe on it and the union and the union these like union youtube videos and you need like 45 minute long things give you a real glimpse of how that happens of how out of nothing someone creates a character and then a world for that character to exist in um i'll end with this in that documentary um film kingdoms of dreams and madness which seriously i've mentioned it enough times you should curiously check it out if you if you have a passing if you have an interest in film you should go look at that thing Hayao Miyazaki is sitting in the hotel room where that they have traditionally rented out for like reserved for years for press conferences because they do not want people over at their over at the actual studio that is or at the museum because though they're different things reserved for a unique purpose. Um, and he's talking about Princess Mononoke, and he, which was his first big feature film that was his, that wasn't, um, like, the Lupin property or something. And he looks out over the, he looks out at the view over the rooftops in Tokyo, and 
the camera makes sure to take you on the specific path along the roof that is the path that Ashitaka takes through on the roof of Iron Town when he's going to ultimately try and save um San from Lady Eboshi and if you haven't can't tell I've watched this movie incessantly I love it it's my it is one of my favorite animated things of all time but you see and as a train animator I saw this too you see that's the, not just like it it is the roof pattern that Ashitaka takes you see that he saw this at some point when he did when he was doing a press conference to announce the movies that he was working on the movie that maybe they formed the studio and it, he he took that piece of real life and put it in the the movie and it, you would never know it if you didn't have access to an interview to an interview where he's announcing his retirement for the unteenth time, but where he says this is where this is where that's from. You can come to this hotel room when we're not using it. You can look out the window and you can see the rooftops of Iron Town. And uh, these union these like forty five minute long videos that Union produces are your ability to see the rooftops of Iron Town from tons of other creators. And there's ton there's tons of these videos that I haven't watched because I look at some I'm like, I'm not sure who that is. I'm not really interested in it. But when I find somebody I like, like the creator of Yu-Gi-Oh or the creator of um of Two Love Rue I will, I'll click on it and it will be, it will be an, ed, it will be an amazingly educational, um, 45 minutes. So on that note, I would encourage you to go check those out. If you like this episode, you can subscribe to the podcast or whatever you're using to listen to me right now. You rate, if you rate the podcast five stars on iTunes, it really helps the show. It helps other people find it. Um, these episodes every Sunday are something more like this. There's something more like little pieces of things about the industry. The episodes on Thursday are much more involved. They are, um, rambling, my rambling thoughts on a single show, or if I have a guest, they are a discussion about a single show or movie, um, Sometimes for the twist, I did, I remember being Slate, one of the first, uh, one of the ones we did was about interspecies reviewers when that show got, like, shadow banned from the internet. (laughs) But, um, so if you like this, you can definitely go subscribe. I've released two episodes a week, and until next time my name has been Alex you've been listening to Lunchbox Radio and I will talk to you on Thursday